we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hello, haters, part two. <laughs> Outright. Outright. Okay, you ain't sharing anything because Texas lost last night at TCU by two points. Oh, that sucks, Texas. Uh, so we're going to break that down. We're going to break down what's ahead in the Big 12. We're going to break down a scenario that I continue to bring up, even though I know it's not going to happen, just for the sake of talking about something, I guess. Um, we're going to talk with Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, at 340 here. We got KU Mailbag at 405. Get any last-second questions in at RCST 1320. We, got, we already got some really good questions. This is going to be a great mailbag. Yep, we do. Cool. But you could add you could add to it. You could yeah. have even better ones. You could. We also have a bunch of audio we're going to get to. We heard from Andy Kolenicki, Brian Borland, KU football coordinators. The spring ball keeps going. Big win last night for the KU women's basketball team. So we'll get to it all on this edition of the show. But once again, starting off here with the KU Texas News after one quick ad read. Home field apparel. This isn't just an ad read. I I, I said ad read. I don't like to say that because it makes it sound like I'm no home field apparel. Th- this, no, this is, is this stuff. is personal for me. Uh, I love home field apparel. I have um a you have KU a stuff, yeah. Warhawk like sweater that is super super comfortable. I've got a couple different T-shirts from them. It is top-notch gear, in my opinion. Uh, the University of Kansas Jayhawks are the Big Twelve champions, and you can even get some of the new apparel for. KU alumni, fans of all ages, head to homefieldapparel.com. That's or you can check out the new Homefield Apparel app and you can purchase some limited edition Kansas apparel offerings, including new t-shirts, ringers, crew necks, hoodies. Here's what I got an eye on: the joggers and more. And guess what? You want 15% off? You got 15% off. Code RockChalk23. That's a capital R and a capital C in a not C. The, <laughs> Is CH one letter? Is CH one letter now? Um, The capital C. Capital C. So Rock Chalk with a capital R, capital C, 23, all one word. Rock Chalk 23. Uh, It's it's the best KU gear you're going to get. One thing that I do appreciate is that Homefield Apparel has been very supportive of this show. And there's other good apparel companies in the area and stuff. But I will just say this, like, no home, no no KU apparel company has been more friendly to the show than Homefield Apparel. So please support them and get 15% off. It's the comfiest gear. They've got a bunch of old logos in there at homefieldapparel.com, 15% off with code rockchalk23. KU wins the Big 12 outright. TCU beats Texas by 2 points last night. Uh, again, I, I think it is, is worth bringing this up again, even though we just did yesterday, that you predicted a couple weeks I ago did. Yes. that KU would win the league by two Literally, games. Literally, I'm trying to think what game it was. That KU won a game the next morning. Was it the Texas game? When they when uh, they moved within two to one game? Maybe. whatever. There was a game where KU won, and the next morning at like 9 o'clock sharp, I walked in and I was like, Derek, Kansas is going to win the Big 12 by two games. And you scoffed. 
And I was like, okay, fine. And now look where we are. Look where we are. <laughs> what a country. Yeah, what a country. Um, KU up it's two just, games. It's just awesome, man. It's just awesome. So I, I don't expect this to happen um, because it would you would you would need Baylor to lose at home to Iowa State. You would need Kansas State to lose at West Virginia, which that one is more probable, but I'm not expecting the Baylor one to happen. And then you would need Kansas to win at Texas. But if, if all those things happened, Kansas would win the, the league by three games. Which I did not predict. No, you so did not. That would be even crazier. I don't actually. Now that I think about it, your prediction is is idiotic because I don't think it's possible for them to win the the league by two games. Is it? No, I guess they could. It's okay, not no, idiotic. no. If they if they beat Texas, no, I was gonna say. I, well, I, I was joking, wow, being just... crass with the idiotic. But I was gonna say, well, if they wow. beat Texas, now they're three games up on them. But if they lose to Texas, they're one game up. But I guess if they win and Baylor wins, then they do win the league by two games. So yeah, you are right. Um, yeah, that sucks, Derek. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, you go into the last game and it just doesn't really even matter now in terms of the Big Twelve race. Which is great. So, you know, that certainly is going to bring up uh, a lot of conversation about how much should KU care about this game. And we'll get to that in a second. I will say uh, another cool little repercussion of this KU is the one seed in the Big 12 tournament. There was a chance that if they would have shared the Big 12, Texas would have ended up being the one seed. Yeah, that's crap. So I'm glad that didn't happen. Well, and that also means you know their path for the Big 12 tournament. So their path is what? They, the they'll play the Thursday. No, they'll no, play the Thursday eight, against the winner 8-9 game. 8-9. And that'll be at 2 o'clock. And then Friday they'll play, if they win the, the Thursday game, they'll play Friday at uh, 6 o'clock against the winner of the 4-5 matchup. Real quick, uh, do you know how many times Bill Self has lost in the Big 12 quarterfinal round? This will be on RCST Trivia later this year. So uh, if you're listening now, zero brownie points for you. Zero. Twice. Ah. <sighs> That's pretty crazy. I mean, you're you're talking about against Big Twelve opponents. He's no, that at that point like crazy. seventeen and two. Yeah. Uh, the well, games, I mean, you saw where my line was at. I said zero. The games are TCU the year that Josh Jackson was suspended for the game, and then I remember that one actually. I honestly don't remember the other one. I would just is it like Oklahoma State? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to look that up. Um. So, you look at it. You won't play again until Thursday after Saturday. That does give you a little extra time off in between. But then you could be playing three games in three days. And so I, I think it's good to bring this back up again now that it's officially here. KU doesn't really have anything to play for in terms of the Big 12. We know what Bill Self is going to do, and we'll get to that audio just here in a second. <laughs> what would you do, Nick Springer? Would you rest your players? I don't think I would. I think I would play them because I think this is almost a case-by-case basis. Like I, talk, I think I mentioned this uh, earlier in the week about how sometimes resting players can be more detrimental to them than beneficial. And I think this is a case where you have that. Look at a guy like Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson, to me, is the type of player that if you rest him, I think that would actually serve to be detrimental to him more than it would benefit him. Because sometimes you just get guys that they're just better when they're playing. The rhythm of playing, the rhythm of of continuing to play each, you know, every two or three or four days, whatever it's been for the whole season, keeping that body rhythm, whatever, and then just the act of playing, it keeps them in rhythm. It keeps them in sort of that mental sphere that they need to be in. And resting them can be more detrimental. I think you have that case with Jalen Wilson. I think when you look at someone like Kevin McCuller or Dewan Harris, maybe I could buy into resting them a little bit more because they've been dealing with injuries. And I think maybe that it could maybe benefit them, those guys, a little bit. But it's 
to me, it's I've always viewed this discussion, regardless of the sport, regardless of the level of sport, whatever. I've always viewed it as a case by case basis, where it really just comes down to, and and from the outside, it's hard to see, but like if you're the coach, if you're the training staff, you know the players, obviously, you know you know them inside and out, and so it comes down to there are some guys that I I honestly think it's better to just keep playing them, just let them keep playing, just let them keep going. And there are some guys where rest probably does help them. But I think in this case, when I look at someone like Jalen Wilson, he's he's a competitor. He's a guy that I think you're better off just letting him do his thing, let him play. I, again, when it comes to guys dealing with injuries, but again, Dewan played 38 minutes, so I don't even know if I want to even classify him as having an injury. I don't know. I guess he's fine. And Kevin's been you know dealing with some injuries, but he's still been playing a lot of minutes also. So I think it's a case-by-case thing, and I – in this situation, if I was Bill Self, I don't think I would really rest them. And, and again, like you could even play Kevin, Mc, you could even play Kevin or Dewan like twenty-eight minutes a piece or thirty minutes a piece, and that would be considered resting them. Mm-hmm. That'd be like ten minutes less than what they know have been playing. So you could do something like that. Sure, why not? I, I, I will say this full fledged. Like I know it's not going to happen, but there is a part of me that goes well. You know, Dewan just had the the ankle injury. Okay, well, here's the other problem, Derek. You don't have enough bodies on your team to not to rest everybody. Somebody's got to play. I get that. You could roll out Joe and Bobby and and Joe, Ernest, Bobby, MJ, and MJ, Ernest. But you still, I mean, Jankovic, baby. <laughs> and you're playing a walk on. Like you don't have enough bodies to actually rest everybody. Well, I mean, I guess I, where I'm at is maybe you don't rest everyone. Like maybe you let Grady keep playing and stuff, but. I would I would be very tempted to rest Dewan and Kevin. Again, I think if they play twenty five minutes, that's considered resting. I guess, I but think. is that really that big of a difference between if they play twenty five and thirty? Probably not. But you know, in the I'm grand just, scheme I'm of things, five minutes. I'm just trying to advocate minutes. for something that could actually happen. Okay. No, I, I I do agree with you. I think um, if those are the two options, like, I guess I agree with you. But also, I would like to win against Texas personally. Yeah, sure. I would like to see the Jayhawks win. Yeah. So in that case, let's go, boys. Well, I mean, Get sports are supposed to be entertaining. You're supposed to have fun with it. So in that standpoint, why would you not want them to play, right? Exactly. Plus, they need to fulfill my prophecy of winning by two games. I just, again, going back to the ankle injuries, like maybe or, or maybe even with Jalen, like a load management thing. I don't know. But then again, I always go back and forth on this stuff because I'm you, though, some guys Bennett, some guys it hurts them more to not it play. Does. I think. Well, and in, in, in the case of Jalen Wilson, for instance, Jalen's going to go to the NBA next year, correct? Yeah, he's going to be playing 82 games. Yeah, 82 games, three to four games a week. Yeah. So this shouldn't be anything. It, it yeah. really shouldn't. So I guess I'm, I'm circling back around and saying that you know if you wanted to rest some of the starters, if you wanted to rest Dewan and Kevin, I'd be all for it. But I'm also not. I'm also not. Um, gonna throw like a hissy fit that they're not you know what i mean like sure, if they fun. if everybody ends up playing and everybody plays a normal load i'm gonna be like okay this is cool let's enjoy let's watch the game yes. i'm not gonna think about it once let's win yeah um that said we did hear from dewan harris we did hear from bill self earlier today we'll share the full audio of their press conferences on tomorrow's show uh let's start with dewan harris here's what he had to say in uh that he still he he wants to really win this game even despite the fact that it doesn't technically matter to the big 12 standings try to go out with another win because it's the last game of the year. I think 
Jay will really want want to win down there. I haven't won down there yet since I've been here. Uh, I know this game. KJ want to go play hard, so we just want to play hard for them too. That's weird to think about. They haven't won in Austin. I know, right? It hasn't been like a brutal environment. This year, the environment's way better with the new arena. Allegedly. Well, it, it's still probably not like as crazy as like obviously Allen Fieldhouse or maybe even going to like Manhattan or Iowa State or something. But um, so that's what he had to say. He he just wants to win. Uh, they're all being competitors about it. Well, and KJ's from Austin. He probably wants to yeah, win, too. Yeah, that's true. A lot of guys from Texas, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Kevin and, yeah. and Bill Jalen are from yeah. uh, Lone Star State. Antonio, that's Michael it. Jankovic from Texas. You don't think uh, he wants okay, to win? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he wants to win more than anybody. Here's the best answer, though. This is Bill Self. This includes the question with one Gary Bedore. Would you ever consider resting players and switching the lineup and all that since the game is not for the title? In a word, No. <laughs> okay, so wow. I guess we're not talking about it anymore. Wow, that's 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 pretty emphatic. So for sure, the lineup ain't changing. Nobody's getting rested. The only conversation now becomes what you were pointing at: Do the guys play less? Yeah. Do players play twenty five instead of thirty five? I kind of feel like even that's fine. I don't happen. think it's gonna happen because think about it. Let's let's just go into the mind here of Bill Self, who is the ultimate competitor, right? You, you don't get as good as Bill Self is without having an incredible le- level of, of competitiveness in your of mind, right? to win. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's what makes Bill Self Bill Self. He wants to win. Yes. And so let's fast forward a little bit to Saturday. It's about 4.15. There's about, I don't know, 14 minutes to go in the second half. Kansas and Texas are within three points of each other. Yeah. Dewan Harris and, and all the starters have played their normal load so far, and the idea going in was, well, maybe in the second half we'll take the foot off a little bit and some of them will play a little less. But it's a three-point game. That ain't happening. And you go, ah, but... They'd have to be either win. up or down by at least 15. <laughs> at least. I don't even think that'd be enough. They'll just stay in. And the most likely scenario in this game is that it is a close game because both yes. teams are good. Yes. So, if so facto... Ain't nothing changing on Saturday. Everyone's playing. Everyone. Yep. Even Michael Jankovic. <laughs> when KU's up by 30. <laughs> to win the Big 12 by two games. As I predicted. Correctly. Could you imagine the flex of Bill? It's a tie game. Four seconds left. And he's like, you know what? We're not playing for the Big 12 title. It's tied. Worst case, we just go to overtime if I miss the shot. Let's have Michael Jankovic Jank, shoot the game-winning shot. Game-winning shot. Bang. <laughs> Bang. There's no way he yeah. would miss that. No way. So, yeah, I mean, again, just kind of circling back there. Like, if they wanted to rest people, I'm all for it. But the fact is they're just not going to. So That's not who Bill Self is. I'm not really even going to discuss it that much more anymore. And, uh, yeah, just go out and win. Just go out and win on Saturday. Yes. If you're going to play the starters, make it worth it. Yes. Make it worth it. Go win the game. And, yes. and there is still things to play for. I don't want to make it sound like, well, the season's over. Hey, you you want to win it all right. Nothing yeah. else to do. Yeah, you could. I mean, I mean it's just the pride factor in general. Yes. And a win. Almost guarantees that I'm one overall seed. I think. At the very Maybe. least, it, it makes... Potentially. Possibly. Your, Hopefully. It makes your margin Maybe. for error that you can you can lose a game in the Big 12 and feel like you still have a shot at it, right? Yes, easily. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's there, too. If you want to get the Midwest, you want to get Kansas you got, City. You got 15 quarter wins. Mm-hmm. You beat Texas. There's one more. Your first game in the Big 12 tournament maybe won't be a quarter win, but it could. So, that gives you 17... So you're looking at at least 17 if you win against Texas because yeah. you're probably going to win in the first round. 
18 if you would win in the semifinals. By the way, I went back and looked. I'm not going to go over all these. Uh, how KU has done in times where they they have already clinched at least the share of the conference heading into the final game of the season under Bill Self. They are just By eight the way, and five, and just four and five on the road. It's been a lot. A lot now, if you, if you just look at the times when they were guaranteed it, the, the conference outright headed into the final game, so forget the ability that they knew the other team could still share, it's just three and three and two and three on the road. But in those scenarios, they're one and zero against Texas, and in the first scenario I brought up, they're three and zero against Texas, albeit all have been at home. Well, that sucks, Texas. Food for thought. That sucks. All right, voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, is going to join us in less than 20 minutes from right now. We have some uh, football audio from Andy Kotelnicki, the KU offensive coordinator. We'll share the first part of that coming up on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We've got our KU mailbag coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll get to some more KU football audio and Discuss a big win for the KU women's basketball team last night here in a little. Joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, though, Brian Haney. We uh, did a draft yesterday. Yesterday was March 1st of March-isms. So, like, like favorite terms that you would hear in March. Um, I, I think, like, one of the ones that I had, I had uh, survive in advance. Uh, Nick had this is March. Uh, there's a bunch of good marchisms that, that go cutting around this time down. of year. Yeah, cutting the nets down, the big dance, soft bubble, Cinderella, all sorts of things. Brian, do you have a favorite marchism? Wow, that, you just named a bunch of great ones right there. That's a good <laughs> question. I, I was thinking about Gus Johnson's classic called The Slipper Still Fit. Yeah. It's, which reminds me of this website they used to have. I don't know if it's still out there. The Gus Johnson soundboard. <laughs> and with one click of the mouse, you could hear all of his calls. And, and some were just screaming, by the way. But we used to play with that on Rock Talk Sports Talk about 12, 13 years ago and loved it. But yeah, the slipper still fits. And, and he had some great calls. Remember Adam Morrison at Gonzaga? Mm-hmm. He had some great calls involving him. But I'd have to defer to the great Gus Johnson for some of my favorite March signature lines. Yeah, there, there's some good ones. Uh, I remember, I think it was Vern Lundquist did the, when George Mason made it, by George, they've done it. That was a good one. Um, right. I don't know, we've heard some good, you, you've you've coined a couple good ones yourself, getting to be on the call of some of the KU games too. Uh, so, I, I don't know, like, well, once we get to March, do, does things start to feel different now? I, I said uh, before Senior Day on uh, Monday night that to me, Senior Day always marks when things start to feel real uh, from a standpoint of you start to get more emotionally invested in a team. You hear from the senior speeches. You feel like you become more attached. Um, You know, you have the Kevin McCuller moment where he's tearing up. You have Jalen Wilson making Bill Self tear up on the sideline. That for me is the moment when things start to switch to feeling like, okay, this is the moment. And it almost increases the wins in terms of, yeah, they feel a little extra. The losses feel a little more crushing for the fans and everything. Uh, when is the moment for you? Is it now? Is it once we get to the NCAA tournament when things start to kind of ramp up? Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. And I think a lot of times, though this has changed in recent years, but a lot of times you don't hear Coach Self get too gushy in terms of throwing roses and compliments at guys until how he introduces them on senior night. Uh, sometimes it happens earlier in a senior's career for the guys that have been here for the entirety of their collegiate eligibility. And I think he's done more of that later in his career than he did early. 
Uh, it, it's kind of a, a rite of passage you have to earn with him, you know, to be around that long. But, uh, but yeah, when you hear the head coach say some of the things that he typically says on the mic in front of 16,000 on senior night, and then you see the emotion between the players and the coach and all that, it, it does give you a little bit more uh, emotional buy-in as a fan and a realization that our days of cheering for this particular individual are numbered. And there's no certainty to how many of those days are left. Could be as few as... Two, if the regular season was over on a given senior night, uh, it could be as many as nine at that point. You know, in this year's case, we've got as many as ten games to go. But my point is, I think when we realize that uh, the, the fans through the hourglass have dripped to where there's not many left, and you don't know exactly how many they are, uh, you, you cherish what the players giving you all the more, and you hang on the edge of your seat more than you ever have, and, and that's the, the time of the year that we're entering into now, and. How spoiled are we that, you know, never worse than a four seed in 20 years under Bill Self and, and staring down the barrel at yet another one seed. It's just unbelievable what he's done. And the fact that when we tune in for March Madness for the last 20 years and, and guys like Nick Springer, who, you know, his entire life as a basketball fan, you know, if you go back to when he was, say, five years old, <laughs> you, you tune in expecting Kansas to make a Final Four run. Because because they're a one or a two seed, you know, and at worst they're a four seed, which would project Sweet Sixteen. Like we don't have a year in his entire lifetime, and heck, barely any in mine. And I'm 42, where you feel like, man, uh, yeah, we're in the dance. We're not going to make much noise. Every year we're loaded for bear, and here we come. Look out, world! Here come the Jayhawks, you know. And so it's it's amazing. And and within this particular season, I think it's fun to watch as more and more national pundits start to get on board with the notion of Kansas having as good a chance as any to win it all. And I think a big part of that, guys, is the fact that Bill Self is without a doubt, it's not even close, hands down the best coach in college basketball today. Uh, Whether you're talking about resume, whether you're talking about the job he's done within this season, with the retirement of Coach K and Coach Wright and Coach Williams, I I think even though the, the factor that NIL and the portal has had in making parity as strong as it's ever been, if, if parity is at an all-time high, well, then you start to look at what is the unequalizer? What is the difference maker on all these very similarly talented teams? And the difference maker at that juncture becomes coaching. And guess what? We've got the, the ultimate coaching card with Bill Self. And so that's what's been cool here in recent weeks as the Hawks have hit their stride to see more and more national folks saying, you know what? Kansas might just be our pick. And if they do, obviously, we haven't seen this since Billy Donovan in Florida in 06, 07. And the job itself is done to put KU in position to repeat, given all that he lost, 75% of his scoring is even more impressive, quite frankly. What do you think the legacy of Jalen Wilson is going to look like? I know part of it depends on what's going to happen here in this postseason run, but do you think there's a possibility that a case could be made at, at the end of his career here in a month or so that he is the most accomplished Bill Self player? It could be, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm standing in the field house right now talking to you, and I'm looking at all the retired jerseys in, in this south end zone, and none of these guys, except for the guys that played back in the 1920s that got the Helms Foundation titles after the fact, none of these incredible names have 
been able to say that they won back-to-back national championships. And, heck, you know, even to be able to say you went to back-to-back Final Fours, Collison and Heinrich can say that. But, I mean, that's, that's something that very few in all of college basketball, let alone Kansas, can say that. So he certainly has a great chance to say he's one of the most accomplished if this team makes a run all the way to Houston. And you mentioned, you know, part of the legacy is still to be written. I would argue that, you know, I'd say 33% of the legacy is still to be written because right now, even though he may only have as, as few as three games left, you know, right now he's a very good player that in a few days could be named the Big 12 Player of the Year, although it's closer than you think with Marquise Noel, and we can circle back to that in a second. But we've got a long list of very good players on Big 12 Player of the Year. What separates him, obviously, is the national championship, but we've got a few players that have won national championships that were also Big 12 Player of the Year. If you add a second Final Four, if you add uh, a second national title, then he's in a completely different conversation, and, and it's a slam-dunk pick that he's the most accomplished. So, yeah, I, I think you're onto something there, and, and it just it makes everything that's there for the taking these next four weeks all the more exciting. And I think what's fascinating about Jalen to me, and you hear this if you listen closely to Bill Self's comments when he says he makes more out of his ability level than anyone he's coached. You know what he's saying there? He's saying a lot of things. Um, but, you know, Jalen's not a lottery pick type athlete. He didn't have any dunks in, in, in the last three years of his KU career. And, and I, I think that's the totality of his KU career. He's not a above the rim player. Um, and yet, when it comes to making a stop on game point, Bill Self said it the other day at the end of the West Virginia game in a two point game, he slid his feet faster than he'd ever seen because, by God, he wasn't going to let them get off a game-winning shot. And, and he has that ability when it comes to the competitive edge taking you one notch higher than what your actual physical gifts might give you. And let me be clear, I'm not saying he's not physically gifted. I'm just saying he's not Josh Jackson or Andrew Wiggins or something like that. What he's done to accomplish as much as he has comes through determination, hard work. Sure, a lot of God-given ability, too, but that competitive edge that drives him. And so I, I think uh, you know, he, he's a fascinating story for a lot of reasons. But if what you just laid out there could come to fruition, then absolutely he's the most accomplished. And, man, as I just laid out for you, there aren't many that can let alone say back-to-back national title. I'm talking just only Nick and Kirk can say back-to-back Final Fours, which is crazy to think about. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake these next four weeks in the final way we remember the career and legacy of Jalen Wilson. So you, you hinted at something there with the Marquise Noel stuff, and, and I'm curious because I've kind of just been almost sleepwalking into the idea that, yeah, Jalen's just going to, of course, win Big 12 Player of the Year. Is that is that a real conversation that you think around kind of league circles right now? I think it's a real conversation in the voting minds of the rest of the league. Now, in my mind, and I try to remove Kansas bias from this, but because his team just won the league outright and because so often – the league player of the year is the best player on the best team, I think you should have it. But if you look at conference stats alone, he leads the Big 12 in rebounding in conference games, but Noel leads the league in scoring, assists, steals, three-pointers made, free-throw percentage, and, and it's, it's impressive what he's done. I thought for weeks that Noel and Keontae Johnson would kind of cancel each other out. You know, you got two guys on the ballot. You're like, who do you who do you decide? Well, clearly, Noel 
you know, with the total body of work in league play, has surged ahead of Johnson, and Johnson's more of a newcomer of the year type pick. So if K-State were to, defin- were to finish definitively in second place and, and the statistical categories fell in a certain way, you could see a certain number of votes, whether it's the media vote or the coaches' vote, go that direction. But to me, because Jalen has, has kind of been the flag carrier throughout the year, not just for Kansas but the conference, if he finishes it with, with one more really convincing performance on Saturday, uh, then, then some of those other statistical categories don't matter nearly as much. And we're reminded of the fact that, hey, Kansas won – this conference outright didn't share it with anybody, and he was the biggest reason why throughout the season. But I, I think that there's at least a crack in the door open, made as much by the, the late season run that Marquise Noel has had, a recent National Player of the Week, um, as it has to do with Jalen's late season swoon. Because he's had a fabulous year. And for my money, in case you're wondering, it's Jalen. He's the pick. But I think it's going to be interesting just, just to see where the dust settles on Saturday because it may not be nearly as close to unanimous as some of us in Jayhawk Nation might like to think. That's, that's very, very interesting. Um, we kind of had the rest conversation at the top of the show, and, and we played the clip from Bill Self just a couple hours ago uh, that basically said, in a word, no, in regards to resting players or, or changing up the starting lineup. So we already know that's not going to happen, but I don't know. What, what do you envision the extent of that would be? Do you think that that just means there won't be any changes to the starting lineup or that no players are just going to basically uh, do the NBA load management thing where they set out a game? Or do you think that means that, you know, that, that eliminates everything completely from, well, maybe Dewan Harris would only play 25 minutes instead of 35 minutes. How do you kind of envision the, the rest aspect coming into play on Saturday? Before his comments, in my head, I was thinking he might try to shave four to six minutes off of Jalen and Juan and Kevin, if he could at all do that. But realistically, with Texas having so much to play for just in terms of their own seed line and senior day, and, and you know, I realize they're not playing for anything conference-wise beyond seeding in Kansas City, but they are playing for NCAA seeding, and that coaching staff is still coaching to try to get full-time jobs. And I, I think Texas is going to come out with their hair on fire, certainly smarting after losing back-to-back games. So they've got a ton of motivation. And because of that, it's not like you can just roll back the minutes by 10 to 12 minutes on all your, all your star players and expect this game to go the way you want it to. As much as I'd love to say that, that Bobby and Joe and Ernest and, and the rest could do the heavy lifting and you know Jalen and, and Dewan and Kevin can ease up and, and only play half what they normally would, hey, this Texas team's way too good. Bill Self said it today. One through nine, nobody in the conference can match up with Texas talent-wise. Um, and that may sound blasphemous to KU fans, but we're talking about the accomplished experience coming off the bench that they have. they Quite frankly, we don't. So, to me, I, I think if there's any subtle tweak at all in terms of making a concerted effort to rest these guys, you go from Jalen Wilson, who's averaging just under 36 minutes a game in league play, to maybe playing 32, 33. But even then, I don't know, because we just talked about it. I mean, he, he wants to win this game bad. He's a Texas guy, Texas native, that is. He wants to clinch Big 12 Player of the Year. That's probably somewhere in his mind. You know, with uh, Dewan Harris, he's been averaging 35.9 minutes a game. Do you scale him back for one extra breather uh, or one extra minute each half? I, I don't know. I kind of think the competitive side of Bill Self, which is personified by Bill Self's team, 
doesn't want to ease up. And I think that they recognize that nothing they could do in Kansas City outside of running the table, there's no one win in Kansas City that would equal what this one win in Austin could be in terms of you know top ten on the road, regardless of quad one. I mean, this is elite-level road win, okay? And so the feather in the cap that this win could be would do a lot more for you than winning some kind of KC quarterfinal on Thursday in, in Kansas City, right? So I, I think that they'll try to go all out. But in a perfect world, could they go all out, win it, and, and still rest those guys a couple of more minutes than normal? Yeah, but I don't know that they'll be given that chance. I, I think Texas is too good. So I'm, I'm expecting this thing to go pretty much according to script if it's a close game, and we see close to the typical workload for all the heavy lifters. Yeah, I, I guess my thought is that if it's a close game, which you probably expect it to be, the competitive side of Bill Self is going to take over, right? Like, it's a close game with 10 minutes left. He's not going to be like, well, I could rest these guys a few more minutes. Or is he going to be like, ah, we're right there. We're going to try to win the game. I, I feel like that's what's, what he's going to do. Totally. Oh, my gosh. Yes, absolutely. You don't work this hard to just kind of mail it in against one of your biggest opponents. And, and keep in mind the recent history down there, too. You know, we, we've had a few slip through our grasp, including last year with the big banked in three with a minute to go. And it's our first game in the Moody Center. Guys, it might be our only game in the Moody Center. We don't know when that you know unbalanced schedule comes out next year, if there will be a game in Lawrence and a game in Austin, or if it's just one or the other. And so I, I think if we're going to go down there and take the trouble of making the trip and doing a scattering report and going through the motions, by golly, they're going to go all out for the win. And, and it, there's not a more competitive coach in the country than Bill Self. So I, even though he's thinking big picture and all that, I, I think he'd much rather sell out to get this win and then see what happens next week in Kansas City because a lot of us are in agreement of what Saturday could do in terms of national reputation and, and contention for the number one overall national seed, more so than what might happen the following week in KC. So I, I think there's so much to go for and be gained by, by going all out Saturday, and that's what I expect our Jayhawks to do. Well, Brian, we appreciate the time as always. You can hear him on the call 3 o'clock on Saturday on 105.9 KISS. We're going to sub into the men's game after the women's game ends, which uh, starts at 1 o'clock here on KLWN. Uh, before we let you go, a word from Nate Miller. That's right. Nate Miller, he's my man. He's got a game plan for your financial future as well. Log on to MillerRetirementGroup.com. Whether you're just setting up your portfolio or you've got years of investments but would like to fine-tune it, he'd love to sit down with you. So check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. Guys, it's been a blast covering this team these last five months. I hope we got four more weeks of these reports to go. And uh, like I said, Jalen's my pick for Big 12 Player of the Year. Make no mistake. Now let's go add some additional hardware to that, all right? All right. He is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. Cue the disclaimer. Brian is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. That is Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining us here on a Thursday with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. KU Mailbag next. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, it is officially time for the favorite segment of one Nick Springer of the week. Every week, man, it's my favorite segment. Which you guys, the listeners, should should take that as a 
big pat on your back because that basically means what Nick is saying is he appreciates the interaction with you yes, guys 100%. and you guys submitting questions and asking funny things. Absolutely. It's it's awesome. It's it's the best segment of the week every week, I think. Perfect. All right, well, let's get into it. Our KU mailbag first up from Frank. What are your must-haves and extras you'd like to see in the booth and Allen Fieldhouse renovations? Okay, so for Allen, air conditioning would be nice. I've I've talked to a lot of people that have gone to games recently that have it's said that very hot. That yes, it, it, the higher up you go, like if you're sitting higher up, it is very very hot up there. I've seen people so, like at halftime, they'll just walk to where like the openings are in the yeah. door and just stand there. Yeah, yeah. So for Allen, that's the big one. I think that's the big one for a lot of people, and I think it is going to happen. But other than that, I think Allen's pretty great as it is. I'm I'm pretty okay with them doing less stuff to Allen and keeping it kind of the historical. I'm not the type of guy that's going to get on my horse and be like, we got to keep the historical aspect. I'm not going to do that, but I'm okay with it. I don't have a problem with it. So if, if they want to do that or if they want to do kind of do some more modern stuff with it, I'd probably be cool with that too. I don't really have a strong opinion either way on out. Yeah. Um, the air conditioning would certainly be nice. I agree. I, I, I would uh, not like to, you know, get rid of some of the historical stuff. I'll, I'll be curious to yeah, see. I'm, like I said, I'm pretty okay either way, but. Yeah, see, I go back and forth on the, like, the seating situation in terms of, like, if you sit in Allen Fieldhouse, sometimes it can get a little cramped, right? Like, it feels like the seats are maybe just a That's few just inches too small. a lot small. of people in there. That's the thing. Part of me is like, well, maybe widen the seats just a tad. The other part of me is like, yeah, but then again, maybe that's part of what makes Allen Fieldhouse so crazy exactly. that you're being jammed you're into a seat. In there with so you just have to yell 16, about something. Thousand three hundred right? people, and you're just yelling. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, I like if if they improve the video board or you yeah, know the speaker system, like yeah, sure, go for it. Great. But honestly, listen, like, am I going to notice that much Allen of a difference? The speaker no. system gets abused. It does. I mean, they blast. Yeah. Stuff from there, so but also like they could use to upgrade. It, is sure. it going to completely change your the game experience? day experience? No, uh, maybe not. I, it'd be cool, you know. Yeah, I. Uh, what are your thoughts on them serving alcoholic beverages? I'm similar to K football. I'm fine with that. I'm generally some people okay are very that. against that. Really? Yes. I don't have any problem with it. I don't really care either way, to be honest. I really don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think know. I would buy. Alcoholic beverages, if they were sold, just because they're expensive, they would be expensive. But I don't, I don't really care either way. You know, I mean, don't matter to me. More food options, maybe. More food options would. More maybe bathrooms, be nice. maybe. I yeah. don't know. The booth needs bathrooms. When yes. they build the new booth, bathrooms for the booth. For sure. Yeah, honestly, I'm I'm not that concerned <laughs> with the Allen Fieldhouse renovations. To be Neither honest, I. I think I it's going to be more minor tweaks here and there. Yeah, the booth. Part of this is the one that yes, there's going to be more renovations too. Yeah, obviously they're going to they're, they're building a whole new stadium. Yeah, with with the booth, the one thing that I want to maintain there, I, I want you to still be able to have that opening to the Campanile. Yes, it is such does. a beautiful site. Whether you're from the Campanile or whether you're in the stadium, yes, I don't want that to go I away. I mean, you've got you've got one of if not the most unique sort of settings of a stadium in the entire country, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, you definitely want to keep that. So you don't want to enclose it. And the, the issue is, I I mean, you've got the giant video board there now. What if they, when they rebuild it, they put the video board at the other end, and then that's actually, like, basically totally open? I, I'm actually all for that. I like that idea. Well, what do you think of that idea? Yeah, I like it. I do. 
Um, yeah, I mean the booth though, the biggest thing they they got to figure out like the bathrooms need to be better, uh, bathroom especially situation, bathroom uh, situation, your, the concession situation. That remember yeah. people were complaining about lines early. Things are just kind of old in general there. Everything's old, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's an old stadium, yeah. Makes sense, so they're gonna get make it all new. So, yeah, I mean, I, when it comes to the booth, like, I don't. There's nothing that I'm like it has to have this or it has to have that. I guess other than maintaining some sort of picturesque view of the hill. But other than that, I'm just excited that it's going to be new, right? That it's going to yeah. be something new and cool and awesome, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, this one from Jack. Which KU bench player not named Ernest Uday has the best chance at more minutes next season? Uh, this is interesting because you've got MJ who, you you I guess he, he might come back. I don't know. Like, he could, I guess he could transfer, like, maybe. I mean, there were rumors so, that that he was going to go to the G League Ignite or whatever the pro route, even after he committed to Kansas, didn't end up happening. But yeah, so I'm not I'm not really sure. But beyond that, I mean, you're looking at Joe or Bobby, I guess, to have expanded roles. But you don't really know what guys like El Marco Jackson coming in, and uh, what's the other what's the other guard they have. Marco and yeah, Marco, Chris, uh, Chris Johnson, and uh, Jamari McDowell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have a, you have a couple guards coming in that you. I mean, obviously, though, I don't think those I don't think those guys are to the level of like Grady Dick, where they're going to come in and probably be a starter right away. But they they could be guys that come in and, and siphon off minutes. So I think you'd have to look at Bobby or Joe, but still they're going to be playing potentially behind Dewan or maybe next to him, I guess. But I don't know. This is a very interesting question. The, the the lineup for next season right now for Kansas is one that it's a puzzle where it doesn't seem like all the pieces fit yet. No, luckily, it doesn't. Luckily, you don't have to worry about that for eight, nine months. Yeah, you don't. I I really don't know the answer to this. And you could convince me like anybody leaves and looking for a bigger playing time in the transfer portal or something. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you're going to be possibly losing all three of your wing starters would kind of imply that it should be MJ. But also, he hasn't really earned, like, Bill Self's trust yet. And, yeah, like you said, who's to say some of those freshmen don't come in and they play over them? And also, if the biggest question we have about next year's team right now is, are they going to shoot the ball well enough? Well, None of Bobby, Joe, or MJ really fill that role. I guess in theory, Joe could, but we haven't <laughs> but really dude, seen it's it. It's been in theory for the last two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Which so, bench I don't know. player? Um, Which bench player not named Ernest today is the Okay, best here's here's one out of, I don't know, a little bit out of left field. What about Zuby? If KJ is going to slide to the four and Ernest becomes a starter, then your Zuby? new bench center maybe becomes somebody else. And why would it not be Zuby at that point? So yep. maybe Zuby can give you 15, 20 a game off the bench. Ernest gives you 20, 25. KJ gives you 25 at the four. I don't know. Yeah, could be. I guess that's the one. I, I honestly don't know. Because I, I, I do think it is going to be really hard for, for Joe and Bobby. If El Marco comes in and he's as good as you think, Dewan's going to be back. So there's all your point guard minutes. El Marco is going to be playing either the backup point guard and two guard minutes next to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be MJ or one of the backup centers. It's got to be. Okay, this one from Eli. What are Nick Springer's top five words to use when a team is not good? Ah, <laughs> uh, this is good. This is good. This is good. No, we need okay. the opposite of that. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's bad. Mm-hmm. All right, so you want me to go five to one or one to five? Uh, give me five to one. Okay, so at five, so I came up with four that I use regularly pretty easily. 
The fifth spot is open to debate. Okay. Right now, I have clowns listed, but does clown really count as saying a team is bad? What yeah, do, you I mean, can't really say like. But and also, like, I, I listen. So it, he said in the question, he said which to use when a team is not good. I say bad a lot, but I didn't want to use bad on the list. No, that's fine. But I do I, say they're bad. So you could say bad five. I'm fine with or clowns, clowns. Um, no. but it, you have to acknowledge that it's not the same as saying like. They suck. You can't say they clowns, you know? Well, you just say we they say are They clowns. are clowns, right? Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm fine concept. with that. Yeah, clowns so can be fine. Okay, that's five. Yeah. That's five. Four is terrible. If they're they're just terrible. They they're they're bad. Three is bad, actually. I forgot I had three I had bad on the list, actually. I forgot. Three is bad. <laughs> oh, you did so have four bad. Is okay. terrible. <laughs> so four is terrible. Five is clowns. Four is terrible. This three list is bad. Is number three. Three is bad. <laughs> Two is suck. That that's that's a good one. Yeah. Suck. Huh? But number one on the list of when a team is not good, they stink. They stink. <laughs> That's number one. Okay. So to recap, five are clowns. Four, you're terrible. Three, bad. You're just bad. Iowa State's bad. <laughs> Two, you suck. K-State sucks. And one, you stink. And Texas stinks. I was gonna say, are there different level? Is it just whichever word you want to use there comes to no, mind? No, I do that think day? There, I do think or there's there different, different levels? levels. I do think there's different levels. Like for instance, if you stink, that's like the worst one. I think, right? You put it at number one. I, I think that's number one. Suck is pretty high up there. If you just suck, you suck. I mean, that's that's period. And I don't know how else to say it. If you're bad, you're, there's a chance you could be good, but you're bad. Like Iowa State, they're bad. And if you're terrible, it's like, you know, I don't know. And then clowns, the only reason clowns made the list is that's really reserved for, that's reserved for like individuals. Okay. Like coaches, Scott Drew, clown, John Calipari, clown. You know, that's reserved for like specific people. Matt Krause wants to know how you do not have trash in your top five. Trash? I just don't, okay. Listen, I think trash is way, way overused. I really do. I think when I think back to my childhood, people would say, oh, that's trash. Like, that was like the go to phrase. Yeah. So I think it's overused. So, in order to get a, a higher shock factor of how truly, truly horrible your team is or you are, I don't want to use trash. Mm. I don't want to use it. Okay. I don't, think, I, don't, I don't think it hits as hard as maybe it used to in terms of really, really, truly emphasizing the absolute just terribleness of whoever you are. Okay. So that's why that's why Trash is not on the list. Okay. Thank you for the explanation. <laughs> uh, this one from uh, Jayhawk for Life. What is better on a hot summer day? Popsicles or ice cream? Okay. I did a lot of thinking about this question. A lot? I, yes. You were up all night? Yes. Couldn't go to sleep? Yes. Yes. And I think this is what the conclusion I came to. I think it depends on if you're outside or not. And here's why. Let's say you have a, a bowl of ice cream or even an ice cream cone, okay? If you're outside, I think that would melt a lot faster than a popsicle would. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you're, like, at the beach or whatever, or I don't know, doing summer activities, whatever you might be doing outside, and the, and the ice cream truck rolls around in your neighborhood <laughs> or whatever, if you're outside, I think the popsicle in that scenario would be the better option. Because it, it's not going to... I don't think it would melt as fast 
as opposed to having like if you just got like a bowl of ice cream with like a scoop of ice cream in it, right? Like ice cream would melt way faster. I think in a vacuum, I would probably pick ice cream. But if I'm gonna be outside, I don't know. I think maybe there's the possibility that the popsicle would be a better more economical option. So I'm actually pro popsicle here. Um, and to be clear, like ice cream is my favorite dessert. So, I mean, I'm always going to choose ice cream in some sense, but yeah. So I, I do agree. First of all, on the outside thing, um, right, right. I mean, is that not, but a, most people who are should, getting okay. ice cream on the go when, or outside, they're getting it in. When a we cone. get into June and July, we need to run a science experiment. We need to set a bowl of ice cream out and a popsicle out and see which melts. See, I don't know about the melting part. I'm pretty sure the ice cream would melt faster. I don't know how true that is. in that case, you would want to go with the popsicle, right? I I don't know. I don't know on that part. You don't think so? uh, I don't even know what the science behind it is. The thing that I envision in my head is that the popsicle is not going to be as messy. So, like, if you're walking around outside and you're holding an ice cream cone, that's because it's going to drip and melt. It's dripping everywhere. Yes, it's, it's a problem. Melt- it's, it's all melting. over your face and hands. Exactly. But see, the popsicle, it, it you're just not going to have that issue. So, <laughs> I, I will go popsicle. I also think that you know sometimes during the summer, you're so thirsty, you're so parched because it's so hot out. Okay. That the creaminess of the ice cream, you're like, well, if I'm going to eat ice cream, I'm going to need a water. Just do a popsicle. Maybe. Popsicle is going to be more refreshing. Kill two birds with one stone? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Two birds, one bush. That's a good option. Interesting. I know that's not the same. I think that's I would joke. go with, if I'm just, but if I'm just inside, I would go with ice cream probably. Yeah, if I'm inside and, and I, you know, I'm well hydrated, I always choose ice cream. <laughs> but hypothetically, you're outside walking around, you know, give me the slushy, give me the popsicle, give me one of those. Okay, this one from James. What is your favorite senior day moment? Mm, I was thinking about this. Fee's speech, I think, maybe was the best, or if, yeah, if one of the best, if not the best, senior day moment slash speech that I can recall mm-hmm. in recent memory. So that's pretty high up there. So, yeah, I think this depends. Uh, do you mean like senior day speech? Do you mean game? Do you mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it could go a lot of different ways. I, I do think for speeches, for in me, terms like. Of games, I don't really remember any like big moments in games. There's though. one that sticks out to me. Um, so. First of all, for the speeches, I think the Mount Rushmore of speeches that I've seen at KU, Svi would certainly be up there. That was a really emotional speech, talking about his dad and everything, yeah, taking yeah. him to practice and all that. Devontae's was really good. Uh, that, that was the same year, too. Jamari Trailers was really, really good. And that was that was the one where, like, we've seen Bill Self, like, for instance, when Jalen Wilson, he wiped away some tears on uh, Monday night. We haven't seen Bill Self, like, ball cry like that when Jamari trailer was going. So that one would certainly be up there. Just the emotional side there. Honestly, Frank's senior speech was just super emotional because how beloved he was at Kansas. So those are the ones that really stick out to me. Um, As far as the games, the, the Frank Mason one, I want to say is the one they were down like 10 with, I don't know, 10 minutes to go, eight minutes to go. And then they came back against Oklahoma. So that sort of sticks out. The, Devontae Graham, I have no idea who they were playing, but I know they wore red, and like that was the first time they wore red in forever. Like Devontae finally got Bill Self to do it, and then they brought it back this year. And uh, yeah, that ended up, I, I don't know, Bill Self might never want to re- wear red again after the <laughs> Texas Tech game this year. Um, but the game that sticks out the most to me, I actually posted about this on, on Twitter last Saturday, and I think I had the year wrong. I thought it was 2016, but it was actually 2015. So the 2014-15 season, not like a super memorable Kansas team. That was the team that lost in the second round to Wichita State. So 
maybe for for other people this wasn't doesn't ring as as much but it wasn't this was a, a senior day for one of my good friends um and I remember going to the game with them and at this time I was I was a student at KU and uh, we were celebrating their senior day so I I knew it meant a lot to him and um it was a game that KU fell behind a, a big amount to KU uh to West Virginia it was what is this March 3rd of 2015 and KU ended up winning in overtime 76 to 69. That's one that sticks out to me because that to me was the everybody remembers the West Virginia comeback in uh 2017. This was the comeback before that comeback. And it wasn't just flashy. <laughs> the comeback before the comeback. It was. I mean, because it wasn't as flashy, but like it was it was the same thing. Kansas was down 40 to 26 at halftime to West Virginia. They got down as much as 16 points, 42 to 26. Then at the, let's see, 10-minute mark, they're down 50 to 40. At the 5-minute mark, they're down 55-46. At the 2-minute mark, they're down 57-49. And then with 155 to go, Brandon Green makes two free throws. Then they turn the ball over. Jamari Trailer gets a layup, so it's 57-43. They force another steal. They miss a three. Trailer gets the rebound. Frank makes a mid-range jumper. It's now 57-55. You make a stop on West Virginia. They go to the free throw line. They split the free throws. Frank quickly goes down, makes the layup. It's 58-57. Then they split the free throws again. It's 59-57. And they foul Kansas. Devontae Graham goes to the line. Cans two free throws. They miss a three. They get the offensive rebound. And then they get the shot blocked by Landon Lucas. It goes to overtime. KU wins in overtime. That That's one that's memorable for me, but I don't know that it's memorable for a lot of other people. I do remember the shot block from Landon Lucas, mm-hmm. now, I think, now that you said it. My last one, this from Scott. Need Nick's comments on the New York mayor commenting on Kansas again. Okay, so, so this, I didn't see what happened. Please this explain. requires some background. So, as you may recall, let's rewind here first, about six, seven months. September of 2022, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, is, I don't even know what he was doing. He's with a bunch of his hotty-totty New York City best buds doing rich people New York City stuff, okay. whatever. And he mentioned, and he says, Kansas doesn't have a brand. Okay? That was in September. Yep. That riled up some people, myself included. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it eventually, that led to Brett Yormark going to New York City and giving him a Kansas football jersey. Yeah, we thought everything jersey, was fine. Which yeah. was just ridiculous. A guy insults Kansas and we're going to give him a jersey? What are we doing? Well, you know, win him okay. over with love. That Apparently was it did not work, so you That were was right. in September. Fast forward to yesterday. A New York City mayor, Eric Adams, is at some kind of, he's at some kind of breakfast. I don't even know. Again, some sort of rich people, New York City, BS, <laughs> breakfast, you know, whatever, whatever the hell they, they not do. allowed to eat breakfast? Man, what? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. He's at a breakfast. And at this breakfast, he's talking about how he feels, he feels very blessed to be the mayor of New York City. How he feels like, you know, how he ended up becoming the mayor was like, he feels like he was blessed and he's very thankful basically to be the mayor of New York City. And he goes on and says that. He says, you know, I'm very blessed to be the, the mayor of the most powerful city in the world. And then he continues. Quote, direct quote from Eric Adams. Quote, he, God, presumably, could have made me the mayor of Topeka, Kansas. End quote. 
basically throwing shade at Kansas again for no reason. So, okay. Completely unprovoked. I will say, I will say, what if he's just throwing shade at Topeka? Even Completely people unprovoked. here in Kansas throw shade at Topeka. I don't, listen, I don't care. Given given the context, I don't care if he said Topeka, Great Bend, Scott City, whatever. We need, the people of Kansas, need to rally <laughs> against this East Coast bias. Okay? And listen, I just want to be clear here. The Topeka mayor responded yesterday. Okay? Responded much more nicely than I have responded. The Topeka mayor responded and said, quote, I have personally visited New York City on numerous occasions and have always spoken highly of New Yorkers, never stooping to assumptions or stereotypes. Padilla said. That's the name of the... Mike Padilla is the Topeka mayor. Then he went on to say, I'd invite the mayor of New York to get to know our beautiful city and its people before casting judgment on a community he seems to know little about. Okay, so <laughs> a little bit nicer than what I just said. Okay. But still, same same idea. Well, then, Wednesday night, last night, a spokesperson for Eric Adams, the mayor, tried to cover all this BS up and try to say, oh, no, he didn't mean it. He didn't mean that he disparagingly. This is from the spokesperson. All he, Eric Adams, stated was that he was the mayor of the greatest city in the world, which, by the way, untrue. And then he said, that remains true, but Topeka is a great place that the mayor hopes to visit one day. No, also untrue. That's a lie. There's no shot he's ever coming to Topeka, Kansas. No, no he chance. can't get out of his he can't get off his high horse. He's gotta stay up in his big tower in New York City. Oh, I'm oh god, I'm, I'm the I'm the most powerful mayor in the world. Oh I don't even know where Kansas is on a map. Dude! I think he has what to give back doing? the Kansas football jersey. I think it's only fair. Right? So we the people of Kansas must rally, okay? I don't even know what to do. Because listen. I went through the process back in September, and it was a painstaking process to file an email with the <laughs> mayor's office of New York. He did not have the gall. He did not have the guts Send another to one. respond Send another to one. me. No, send a handwritten letter. So what do I do? Handwritten letter. I don't letter. understand what I'm supposed to do. How do I get through to this guy? In How do I explain to him package. that there are people here in Kansas that are proud, and they love Kansas. And I don't give a damn what the mayor of New York City has to say. Uh, we'll clip this whole thing and, and we'll send it to him. We'll see if he listens to it. Maybe we'll get him on, on the show. Uh, a couple things. I don't want him up. on the show. Uh, Matt said you had a trash answer to the trash question. Um, also, uh, <laughs> shout out to Lena who uh, gave us some. Uh, these are, I'm, I'm sure, ones that really ring out for a lot of people for senior day speeches that stick out. Jacques yep. Vaughn, Jared Haas, Scott Pollard, and then the one with Nick Collison and Kirk Heinrich. Uh, those are go. good ones. Those were before my time, but um, yeah, no, I'm sure for Eric a lot of people Adams stick out. Eric Adams is banned from the show. He's not coming on I'm the gonna show. I'm going to try to get him on next No. Week. What if, oh my gosh, no, unfortunately, the East region this year is in Philadelphia. That would be hilarious if it was in New York City. And we, we like got him on the show to talk about it, and then we just trashed him. <laughs> anyway, he's Nick Springer. I'm Why Eric do you Johnson. hate Kansas? This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, depending on it. It's next week. Uh, special teams may be the week after that. I don't know if we really need to get into the special teams. I guess we can just do it here. Let's just do it right now. Dude, the special teams is, we got to get into it. You you want to get into it right now? No, I, don't, I, mean, there's, I don't There's not much we need really to add to. I don't have much to say. Kadarius Tony. Other than the special teams was really bad, but and then, then it, was really it good. ended up being good. <laughs> yeah. So it's like. It's, okay. it's just so funny looking back to last year when the Packers had basically last season, like, 
not this past season, the year before. The Packers got the one seed, and they had, like, the worst special teams, and it cost them in the playoffs. Meanwhile, for the Chiefs, they had, like, the worst special teams, and it helped them in the playoffs. Yes. Football's weird, man. No, football is it's a dumb sport. It doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, so. Just, I don't know. Tony's back. Like, he'll be your punt returner. I don't know who will be the kick returner. I bet you that it'll be somebody they either draft or uh, – because yeah, I don't think I don't think we need to make Pacheco. Pacheco the kick returner. Maybe it'll be Tony still. Maybe they'll have – I don't know, whoever. Uh, Harrison Bucker is still under contract for another year. I think there was a report that Tommy Townsend, they want to make him the, the like highest-paid punter in the NFL. He's good. Which He's a very is good probably punter. only like $2 million. I, I say only. You wow. Know, me and you. I gladly take that. Hey. But, NFL money wise, are people they too. are, and they're making a lot of money. Oh, they make a lot of oh, money. Two million dollars. I'm, I'm glad they take that to punt. I am sick. No, but dude, punting is the best job in American sports. Okay, in but the NFL. You, okay, I think we've had this discussion before. Actually, have you ever noticed how the gap between like real, you know, the top college football teams, so like you know SEC and whatnot, mm-hmm. and like the NFL, at most positions, there is a gap, but it's not like that significant. But the one position where the gap between the college level and the NFL pro level, punting. NFL punters, literally every punt inside the 10, inside the 15. College punters Insane hang time. College punters stink. Yeah, yeah. What, where, is the di- where is the disconnect? Well, think about it. Why it's, is it so difficult to punt in college and then so There's easy just less in the NFL. of them. I mean, think about it like this. If an NFL team has... Defensive ends, they have five of them, six of them, right? So there's a lot on each team. Okay. Every NFL team only has one punter. That means if you are going to be a punter in the NFL, they're so good. Exactly. I mean, if you're going to be a punter in the NFL, you have to be one of the 32 best in the world, essentially. Whereas if you're a defensive end, you still have to be really good, but you have to be like top 200 in the world, you know, top 180 in the world, top 150. Okay. Okay. So just, I don't know. I I still don't think that adequately explains why there's such a large Mm. gap. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, special teams won't be that crazy. But there were some uh, comments from Brett Veach and Andy Reid that were made this week that certainly are interesting. So let's start here. Brett Veach on Orlando Brown. It is beneficial to get something done long term. Does add that the tag is an option. Yeah, I'm I'm getting increasingly concerned that the Chiefs are going to mess around with the whole Orlando Brown situation, and they're going to mess around into a bad decision of some kind. Well, what's that bad decision? They'll just franchise be, tag him. Yeah, but you, it's going to cost you a lot of money. If I think it's like twenty-two million. Deal, all I'm franchise. saying is like, I, I don't like where it's going. I think it's it's heading in a, in a direction where I think it's you're going to look back on it and say eh, they maybe kind of messed that up. Whether they re-sign him, whether they trade him, whatever it's whatever the outcome is going to be, I'm I'm not feeling great about it, regardless of what they choose to do. That's that's. I, I mean, I guess it doesn't really say much, but I guess I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it sounds like to me. I mean. The contract they it sounds like they don't want to move on from him. No, they definitely don't. If they franchise tag him, I think the number goes up to twenty two million. You're gonna franchise tag the guy that was like the sixteenth best left tackle in the league? No. I don't think so. The deal that they offered him that he declined in the offseason was six years hundred and thirty nine million. Well, that was before he sucked. It was, but also he played really well in the playoffs. So if we have recency bias, that kind of goes away. Uh, but I also want to say... I don't have recency bias. I remember when he wasn't that good. I do too, but uh, sometimes the league gets that way. I think the guaranteed money that he was offered as part of that 60 or $139 million deal is only like $39 million, Yeah, that, w- that was part of why he declined it. Was yeah. There wasn't enough guaranteed. It basically upfront. means that only like the first two and a half years of it were guaranteed. So mm. it's probably going to be, if they do extend him, something similar to the six, like 140. 
but the difference will be that the guaranteed money will be around 50 or 60 million. I just, I just don't think that's a a wise contract a smart even. thing to do. I agree. I don't think it's a smart thing to do. But I don't think franchise tagging is a smart thing to do either. I think you kind of have to franchise tag him. Well, if exactly, you don't reach or, a deal. Either that or cut him or trade him or whatever. But if you you can only trade him if you franchise tag him. I don't know. So I think you have to franchise Again, tag like him. Again, like I said, I don't envy Brett Veach or whoever's making these decisions in this situation because I my gut feeling is that regardless of what the Chiefs decide to do, in three or four years, people will look back and say, eh, kind of messed that one up. Yeah, I, I kind of think their best like, avenue. To be f- Sorry, I didn't mean no, that. No, I was going to say franchise tag him, draft an offensive tackle in the first round, let him sit for a year, you let him go next year. Yeah, which to be fair, Brett Veach is batting like nine nine zero on trades, on signing players, on draft picks. Like the dude, everything he touches turns into gold. So if he if he messes up or or doesn't get it right this one time with Lando Brown, fine, sure, whatever. Everything else he does is everything else he does he is is perfect. Okay, here's another comment from him. This is on Chris Jones, who has one year left on his deal for next year. Quote, doing something with Chris would make sense for us, and adds that he thinks Jones wants to retire as a chief. Yes, resign Chris Jones. Make sure he retires as a chief. I think you got like a three- or four-year extension last time. Just do the same thing. Obviously, more money. So I saw you got Aaron Donald, who's being paid astronomically more than anybody else. And then I think the next two most highest-paid defensive tackles are... Whoever's from Philadelphia. No, not that's Fletcher not right. Cox, is it? No, no, I thought he was a right. free agent. No, that's not right. It's uh oh, San Francisco. It's San Francisco. What um the six seven guy. Uh DeForest Buckner? DeForest Buckner, he's like number two. Somebody else is number three. Chris Jones is number four. But they're all paid pretty close to the same amount. So all you have to do is just offer Chris Jones something that gets him over those other two guys. Yeah, Donald got three ninety five last year with sixty five guaranteed. Probably something similar for Jones. Yes, and I'm fine with that. I am too. He's the best defensive tackle in the league. He he this season. He just opens up everybody else on that defensive line. Yes. Okay. He's a how great about this locker one? room guy. Every yeah. I don't I don't even care. Blank check. Whatever. Andy Reid gave a big endorsement of Frank Clark. He said, "I love him. I love him to death." In regards to him possibly returning next season. I love Frank Clark too. I know Frank Clark has been. Maybe a, a thorn in the side of some Chiefs fans over I the I think years, he earned a lot of love back. I, I yes. was somebody who he was a thorn in, in my side, but I earned <laughs> a lot of respect back for him for yes. this year. Yes. Uh, here's the problem, though. If they cut him, they save $21 million. And if you want to afford Orlando Brown and Chris Jones, no, you no. got to clear up money somehow. I the, think you got to Here's the solution. If Frank Clark says, hey, I'm willing to you know take a – I don't know, like restructure my deal and take a fifteen million dollar pay cut, where basically he's keeping an extra six million, and you're saving fifteen and not twenty one, and you keep Frank Clark. You do that, so that's what it's going to come down to. What's the number that the Chiefs are willing to go down to on the? I'd be such a bad NFL GM. I'd Why? be so terrible. You just be like keep everyone. Yeah, because I'd want to just keep everyone. I just want to be like, dude, this guy's great. I want him on my team. All right, last one, real quick. Andy Reid said that. In regards to Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, both of them will probably have bigger roles. Both of them are very talented. Okay, this that is makes a, me think that they're not going to resign one of, if not both, of Juju and McCole Hartman. Okay, well, no. First of all, I don't, I don't know that I fully agree with that. To me, this is more of just a no duh type quote. Okay, Kadarius Tony came in at, at, over halfway through the season. 
a whole offseason later, he's going to be integrated way more to the playbook. They're going to have plays for him. Yeah, no duh, he's going to be playing more and have a bigger role. And Sky Moore is pretty much the same deal. I don't think, I'm not, I don't read that into that as, oh, well, they're not going to re-sign Nicole and Juju, whatever. No, I read that as, dude, no duh, they're going to have a bigger role. One guy you brought in halfway through the season, and he's got great talent. You're going to have the whole offseason to make him better. The other guy, a rookie, was kind of up and down in terms of his production, but he's another guy that you expect to be a pillar of the offense for years to come. Obviously, they're going to have a bigger role. Okay, but if they're going to have a bigger role, where is that role coming from? At least one of McColl or Juju wouldn't be back. Unless they're going to cut MVS. Sure, whatever. Somebody's gone. I don't. Right. I'm, I read that as like, okay, yeah, obviously. Thanks, Andy. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. Rest of the Andy Kotelnicki audio next. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, venue 1235, located right off I-70, just five minutes from downtown Lawrence, has you covered. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. We uh, have... Hawk Talk with Brandon Schneider coming at you 6 to 7 here on KLWN. High School Sports Weekly is going to air after that at 7, but it's going to record live over at Burgers by Biggs on Wakaroos and Bob Billings from 6 to 7 with uh, Nick Springer and the Baldwin High School boys basketball team who just got a win last night in their sub-state semifinals. They improved to 17-4 and on the season, now a game away from the state tournament. So you can go on out to Burgers by Biggs for that game. Uh, KU wins the Big 12 outright. Texas loses in a two-point game at TCU last night. Certainly brings up a lot of conversations. What will KU do? Will the starters play a little less? Will anybody be rested? Um, will the bench have a bigger leeway in the game? Will KU just try to keep the momentum going forward with their their winning streak? And um, you know, as as much as the game doesn't matter now to the Big 12 tournament, or in terms of KU getting the one seed, or to just winning the Big 12 at all, or winning it outright. It could matter for getting the number one overall seed and trying to play in the Midwest, trying to play in Kansas City. So uh, that'll certainly be stuff to monitor, but uh, we'll preview the KU-Texas game on tomorrow's show. It was a big, big, big win last night for the KU women's basketball team. They took down Iowa State. Iowa State came in ranked 23rd in the country, and KU entered the game you know, uh, on the bubble a little bit. You looked at uh, Charlie Cream, who does the ESPN Women's Bracketology um, for ESPN, of course, and he had Kansas as a nine seed, but he had Kansas as one of the final four buys. So what that means is it's basically, you know, you have the first four out and then the last four in. You have the first four buys. So the buys are right after the last four in. Essentially, that means that they're one of the last eight teams who were in according to one bracketologist and you know Kansas I I think even if they lost that game last night would probably be in okay shape because you're playing at TCU on Saturday a game that you should win you know you should win kind of running away then uh, you'll be playing in the Big 12 tournament kind of depends what happens with the West Virginia Baylor game and uh, some other stuff with possible tiebreakers between the third place game and who ends up third who ends up fourth for where the tiebreaker could go if Kansas and West Virginia are tied to where Kansas would either be playing TCU again in a playing game in the Big 12, or they'd be playing the three seed, which would be one of Iowa State, Oklahoma State, or Oklahoma. And so you look at it, they'd probably beat TCU. They'd probably beat them again if they get them in the play-in. Otherwise, if you lose to the two or the three seed in the quarterfinal, it's not a bad loss. Last night wouldn't have been a bad loss. They probably would have been in a good position to maintain in the tournament regardless, as long as, again, you take care of business with TCU. But 
Um, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. And you don't want to be one of those teams if even one bracketologist said, well, they're last four in, because that doesn't guarantee the committee is going to view it the same way. And then you start to get into some of the conference tournaments and maybe a team who, you know, was supposed to be from a smaller league, like an eight or a nine or a 10 seed, and they're in a one bid league. All of a sudden, they get upset in their conference tournament final, and that league becomes a two bid league. Now, all of a sudden, one at large bid team gets their bubble popped. So you don't want to be in that situation, which is why last night was so important for KU because it represented another opportunity for them to get that marquee win. I mean, they've been searching for a marquee win all all conference play. They had the marquee win in the non-con winning at Arizona by you know almost thirty points, but they were looking for it in conference play as they did twice last year when when they won at Texas and and they won at Oklahoma. And they've been struggling through injuries and stuff, so there's reasons why, but. Certainly when you bring back as much as they did, there was hope that this team could take even the next step. And again, some of the injuries held them back this year, but they've been looking for this win all season long. And they finally got it done. So it's it, it's A, it's proof that they can win those top-tier games in the Big 12. But B, that type of win probably cements them into the NCAA tournament. I say probably because you know, if they hypothetically lost in Fort Worth, that would be a bad loss. That would a bit neutralize this and put them back on the bubble. But assuming they take care of business in a TCU game that, again, they won by 20-plus points in Allen Fieldhouse and TCU hasn't won a conference game, assuming that happens, KU is going to be an NCAA tournament team this year. And this also maybe even opens up the possibility that this team can maybe move up to like that seven line, right? If, if they beat TCU and then they can win a game or two in the Big 12 tournament, like maybe they can move to the six or seven line. And that would be so important because – you want to avoid that 8-9 at all costs where you're playing a one seed in the second game of the tournament. Obviously, the two seeds are really good too, but sometimes there is kind of a drop-off between those ones to twos, so that would be really important. And that was the first step last night getting through with the victory that did kind of feel like it'll clinch this team or, or punch their ticket into the NCAA tournament. Um, but they come into the game. Holly Kerskeeter, who had missed the last couple games, she gets back uh, and... KU just looked excellent early. I mean, that that looked like their best game of the season. And then the the final four or five minutes happened of the fourth quarter. KU was up 85-68 to 68 with about five minutes left. And then Ashley Jones, who I, I don't know if Jones is going to win Big 12 Player of the Year. She is absolutely fantastic. She'll certainly be on the Big 12 first team. They just couldn't stop her. Um, she just starts hitting all these threes. Their, their lead point guard starts hitting some big shots. And in a span of being up 17 with about five minutes to go, all of a sudden they have inched to within, it's it's like at nine with like, you know, three minutes to go. And then all of a sudden it's it's at one point down to like a two or a three point game. And you got some big answers for KU. There was a big and one bucket down the stretch, Zakiya Franklin, who has been so fantastic last night. I mean, a, a lot of the talk goes to Tiana Jackson, deservedly so. She puts up monstrous numbers. And Holly Kerskeeter, first-team All-Big 12 last year, you know, deservedly so there. Zakiya Franklin is the unsung hero of this team. She just keeps putting up big totals and big numbers. She ended up with her career high in points, I think 32 last night, including that big and one. Also hit some free throws down the stretch. Um, Chandler Prater made a, made a big offensive rebound and, and put back bucket. Uh, they made a, just a, enough plays down the stretch that they were able to hold off what was a, a remarkable Iowa State uh, pushback toward the end of the game. They ended up winning 98-93. to It was an up-and-down game. It was season-high points for KU. Really fun game for senior day and the final game of the season. So in the end, huge win for KU. 
basically punched their NCAA tournament ticket, assuming you take care of business, gives you the opportunity to maybe move up some more seed lines here, gives you confidence that once you get to the Big 12 tournament, you can beat one of these you know, two or three seeds that, that you're probably going to be playing in the quarterfinal round of things. And uh, it's it just feels like it gets the momentum back going for this team. And you hope everybody gets healthy. Obviously, Holly Kerskeeter getting back is is certainly a good sign. Why that May- Mayberry being back after missing action a few weeks ago. And now you just hope, you know, Ioana Hatsi-Leonti can, can come back from injury because it just changes the way they play when she's able to be in the lineup. But you hope it's not too late to where... You know, it's too hard to reintegrate her into the lineup if it's too late in the season. So you hope she's back, but at the very least, they showed that they could get one of these wins even without her, which was very, very important last night for KU for the myriad of reasons that I just stated. All right, we're going to take a timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with you here. Nick Springer's out getting ready for High School Sports Weekly over at Burgers by Biggs. We're going to have some uh, Brian Borland audio coming up next, a little more KU football talk from the defensive coordinator. That on the other side, this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.